have each of you with us this morning. It is so good to see the body of Christ joined together once again on Sunday morning. A couple of announcements I do need to make. Um, Pastor Tony, uh, he is away, he and Sarah and Nehemiah. Uh, they left on Friday morning early to uh, head to Florida. Uh, they're going down to see Sarah's parents and um, they drove with a little boy. So I haven't heard from them yet. I don't know how many days this is going to take. Uh, they were planning to make it at least two days. Uh, might be more than that, depending on how uh, Nehemiah um, is with the car driving. So uh, you pray for them. Uh, also, out in the foyer, uh, there's a, a display uh, from Hope's Haven. Uh, they were here this morning downstairs in the Sunday school room. And um, they deal with foster children during the summer, uh, send them to camps. And so if you're interested in this ministry, take a look at the display uh, out in the foyer. Twelve months of serving, April is dedicated to the Lifeline Pregnancy Care Center. Uh, we're receiving donations now, and the list of items are there in your bulletin. There's a box over in the coat room that you can use to put all of your items in. Also, uh, the baby bottle, baby bottle campaign is underway. Uh, this is also a Lifeline Pregnancy Care Center ministry. Fill up those bottles uh, that are empty with your coins or a check if you care to give, and um, then drop those off by May the 6th, by May the 6th. I think that's all the announcements that I have. Uh, we have this morning... Uh, a couple of guests, uh, Bruce and Ruth Bush. Uh, we've been supporting the Bushes for I don't know how many years now. It just seems like forever, uh, which is a good thing. But as far back as I can remember, we've been supporting Gospel, for Gospel Furthering Fellowship. And it's just a great joy to have them with us this morning. And I've asked Bruce to come and share uh, a little bit about what is taking place in their lives. Uh, I know one thing, uh, they're headed to New Zealand next year. And uh, they invited us all to go with them. Uh, no, that's, I'm kidding. But uh, it's going to be quite a trip, I'm sure. So Bruce, come and share uh, with us a little bit this morning. I know you've stood on this platform a number of times. Once or twice, yes. Good to have you back. Good Thank to have Thank you. you back. Thank you. I'd I, certainly be fine with all of you guys coming to New Zealand because it's a very, very liberal uh, place, and frankly, a congregation this size would make a decided difference. We'd be delighted to have you. I don't know how the airlines would feel about that. Uh, I suppose if you can pay the freight, you can come. It's not a problem. It's, it's easy to get in. It is a first world country, and that was one of the things that was under consideration, as you know, many of you would do anyway. On January 1st of this year, I stepped down as general director of our mission for a number of reasons. I hate to admit it, but I am getting older. Uh, Ruth is staying the same, but uh, I am getting older. And once, when I got to 70 a couple of years ago, I said, well, it's time to start thinking about that. And so we did, put the, the board put things in motion, and now I'm stepped out, and I'm free to go to New Zealand. Actually, I, I, this is something that Ruth and I wanted to do a long time ago. We've been looking forward to the opportunity to get out and perhaps go out and replace missionaries, which is what we're going to do here. And uh, we wanted to go back to Africa. Unfortunately, because of our health issues, that was not possible. But now that we can go to a place like New Zealand, which is first world, 
good health care. They speak English. So we're, we're set. And we're looking very much forward to that. And as he mentioned also, all these years you have faithfully supported us, and we're very, very thankful for that. Bob, I don't remember how long that has been either. Somebody asked me, I think it was Jim Markle asked me this morning, or we were talking about it. I think it was probably 1981. Not absolutely sure, but I think that's probably about right, which would be 37 years. Wow. Are you getting old? That's good. I'm not either. But anyway, I already admitted to that. So we, we do appreciate so much the fact that you've supported us. You say, what are you going to be doing now? Well, the, the board asked me, of course, to go to New Zealand. That was one thing. The other thing I'm trying to do, in addition to training my successor, insofar as you can train somebody to do crazy things, uh, is I'm going to sit down and start working through our old documents, and hopefully, Lord willing, I'm going to write a history. So if you see me as a published author, you understand what's going on there. Actually, folks, that's a little bit frightening because, of course, I'm part of that history, some of it anyway. But Gospel Furthering Fellowship goes back a good many more years than I realized uh, some years ago. So pray for me. We appreciate your prayers. It's going to be a change. It's going to be a challenge. As I say, it is a first world country, but the health issues that Ruth and I are going to take with us will remain. So we'd appreciate your prayers for us as we go. Thank you so much. Yeah, we should have a railing, I think, for those of us that now are getting older, we need to hang on to something. And it's not just for a weekend. I think you said it was like three months in New Zealand. So it's not, you know, just a quick trip over and quick trip back. Um, so they're going to spend about three months over there. So we do want to pray for the bushes. So let me pray as the praise team comes uh, to minister to us. Father, we come before your throne this morning and we are eternally grateful uh, that you, God, you have raised up men and women who have heard your call upon their lives. We thank you, Lord, for those like Bruce and Ruth who have faithfully, many years, have hung in there. Father, in spite of obstacles and struggles and health issues, Lord, they remain faithful to you and to your calling. Father, we thank you for them. We pray that you would continue to bless them and bless their ministry. We pray that this trip to New Zealand would be profitable, would be rewarding. We pray, Lord, that you would give them good health and strength to be there for these months as they minister as they labor for you. So we thank you again for the relationship that we have had with them over all of these years. And again, we thank you for these who have stood by the stuff. They have faithfully continued to work for you. We thank you, Lord, for the fruit that has been produced as a result of their labors, for the souls who have come into the kingdom of God as a result of their ministry and the sharing of their faith. And so we're thankful, Lord, that once again this morning we're able to connect again and we commit uh, the bushes to you. Father, you're a wonderful God. You're a God, Lord, who has given us life, not just eternal, but an abundant life. 
we thank you, Lord, for all that you have done on our behalf. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Would you all stand as we worship the Lord here together this morning?
thirst for a drink from the well, Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide, forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes a new life is born. Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought
Take a moment, step out, and greet someone near you. Thank you.
Hey, Tommy, how are you? Good morning. Morning, Logan. So um, I, I learned that Steve Bordner is not feeling well this morning, which means that you guys are special music. <laughs> Remember the song we used to sing as kids, I Will Make You Fishers of Men? Now, I don't know the motions. Anybody know the motions that wants to come up here and join me? <laughs> Where's Elsie? Elsie, are you here? Do you know the motions, Elsie? <laughs> You're in church, Elsie. Oh, come on, there has to be somebody here that knows the motions. All right. Who, who are you pointing? Who are you pointing to? Is Marlene here? Marlene. Marlene, I want a straight answer. Do you know the motions? <laughs> you can't see it, but she's doing that. You wouldn't want to join me, would you? No. All right. I, all the, the only one I know is I will make you fishers of men. Right? Now, when it comes to I will follow you. Fred, come here. <laughs> come on, Fred, get up here. Come on, Fred. Fred. Woohoo! All right. Now, this is going to be a first. All right. We're going to sing it together. Okay. Oh, we're all singing it together, <laughs> right? But you're going to be watching Fred. How, now, okay, when you, if you follow me and you point I to heaven, will make, make you, you fishers of men, men fishers of, of men, fishers if, of men. If, I will, if, if, if you, you follow me, right? boy. <laughs> Sit down, Fred. <laughs> I love you, Fred. No, that's fine. That's fine. All right, we had our little laugh this morning. That's a good thing. Let's stand. We'll sing it together. If you want to move, you can move. If you just want to stand there, all you have to do is just stand there. I will make you fishers of men, fishers of men, fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men if you follow me. If you follow me. If you follow me. I will make you fishers of men if you follow me. 
Wonderful. Sit down. <laughs> Wonderful. All right, let me mention a couple of things uh, this morning. Uh, Betty Howe is having surgery tomorrow morning very, very early. Uh, she twisted her leg and tore a meniscus. And so uh, pray for Betty uh, tomorrow morning. Also, um, Wayne Mace, um, he's going to be traveling to Africa this week. Heidi, is that correct? This week. So he's going from Germany to Africa uh, this week, and he's going to lose contact with his family. So uh, please uh, keep him in your prayers. I also highlighted here um, John Hain. Uh, I don't know exactly where the, John is right now, but I know the last I heard, uh, he had a tumor on the left side of his brain, and we need to pray uh, for John. Also, Drew Ozenbach. I understand, uh, Bob, are you, he's having surgery, right? Yes. Is that tomorrow? Tuesday. Tuesday. He was, what, clowning around with friends? He was working. He was working. <laughs> uh, and they were on a retreat. Okay. Okay. And a bunch of kids were trying to bring him down. Oh, my. Yeah. Yeah. And somebody decided to come in from the side of his knee, and his knee bent, and a breast is not supposed to be. Oh. But he did win. He won. <laughs> That's the bottom line, right? <laughs> oh, my. So keep Drew in prayer, having uh, knee surgery on Tuesday. Uh, Drew, of course, we're supporting. Uh, we're supporting Drew's ministry um, with crew, and so we're thankful for that. Let's come before the Lord this morning. Father, we are thankful once again that we can come before you. You are a God of mercy, a God of grace. Uh, Father, we come before your throne. It's a place where we come when we have a need. Father, it's a place we come to find help. And so, Father, when we come before you this morning, we want to bring before you these, Lord, who are going through physical struggles. We do pray for Drew. We pray that the knee surgery would be a success, and, Father, he would be um, healed very quickly. We pray for Betty Howe as well now with this torn meniscus. We ask that, Father, tomorrow morning that the surgeon, you would give them, uh, guide their hands, and uh, may Betty come through this very well, and uh, get back up on her feet once again and be restored to full strength. Father, we do pray for Wayne as he'll be traveling to Africa, losing this communication now with his family back home. Father, we thank you for his service. We thank you, Father, for his service, but we pray, Lord, that uh, you might uh, help him now in this transition, and we pray that very soon he might be able to return home. Father, we pray for John Hain as well. Lord, we, we knew him well, and Father, now he has this tumor. Uh, Father, again, I don't know the exact details. We know you do, uh, but we commit him to you, him and Pearl, Lord, who we've grown to love over the years. Uh, we just trust, Lord, that you might move into his physical body and life, and Father, you might uh, give him good health. Father, we thank you for... Reed being with us this morning, who has come through a hip replacement. We thank you for Mary Alice, Lord, who has come through knee surgery. Uh, Father, and many others on this list. 
Father, we can't all mention each one, but Father, we're thankful that we can bring them before you. Father, one of our wonderful ministries as the body of Christ is to intercede on behalf of one another, to bear one another's burdens. And so, Father, we do that this morning. Father, we bring these before you. Father, we know it's hard to not have health. It's hard to be physically not sound. But Father, we commit these to you and pray that, Lord, you might touch them and you might heal them. Father, we are thankful for our time this morning. Uh, we certainly thank you for the Lord Jesus who we heard in song, we sang about this morning. Father, we thank you that you have saved us by grace. Thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ is the one song we sang. His blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness and makes us as white as snow. What a thought to think that, Father, our sins have been cast into the deep blue sea. They've been thrown as far as the east is from the west, all because of the blood of Jesus. So, Father, we come before you with grateful hearts. Grateful that you have saved us. Grateful, Lord, that you have brought us together this morning. And I pray that, Father, you might be honored and glorified in everything we do. Father, we just sang the children's song about being fishers of men. Father, we're going to be talking about that this morning. Father, we as your children, we have been called to be your disciples, your followers, to bring men and women to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so I pray that your spirit might work in our hearts, work in our minds. Father, convict us of those things that we should be doing. And for one reason or another, we just don't do them. And that is winning people for the sake of Jesus. So use this time to change us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Leonard's going to come and lead us in a hymn, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name, hymn number 63. We've been standing a bit this morning, so I'm going to ask you to stay, remain seated until the very last stanza, and then we'll stand for that, and the junior church can be dismissed. Hymn number 63. <laughs>
Back on Easter Sunday, we looked at the Apostle Thomas. Thomas was an interesting fellow. He's called the doubter. Thomas was one, however, who was brave and courageous. He said one time, Jesus, if you go to Jerusalem, I'll go and die with you. Thomas was one who was either all in or not in at all. And when I came to the end of that study time during that week, I thought, wouldn't it be interesting to take a look at the followers of Jesus, to take a look at the disciples, those who Jesus called to walk with him for three years through his earthly ministry. And then knowing that you know, I would be away on vacation, and Tony would be away on vacation, and I'm going to be away on vacation. And it's hard to kind of put a four, six-week series together. So I thought, these disciples, if we look at their lives, they kind of stand on their own. And so that's what my plan is for the next few weeks. And so this morning, I want to look at one of the men who have turned, turned the world upside down. One of the men who Jesus selected personally to be with him for the years of his earthly ministry. His name is Andrew. Andrew. And if there's one thing we can say about the disciple Andrew, it's this. He was always bringing others to Jesus. He's mentioned four times in the Gospels, and three of those times he's bringing others to Jesus. See, he took the words of Jesus when Jesus said to Andrew, I know you're a fisherman, but I will make you a fisher of men. He took those words seriously and he was always bringing others to Jesus look at Matthew chapter 4 if you would please we're not going to be here very long we're going to move on to the book of John but look at Matthew chapter 4 and verse 18 this actually comes after the passage in John that we're going to look at in chapter 1 it says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets, and they followed him. The call to Andrew is the call to us this morning. For we too have been called by God to become fishers of men. That's our ministry. And Andrew, as I said, he took these words very seriously as he was always bringing others to Jesus. Now look at John chapter 1. We're going to stay in John's gospel this morning. We're going to be in chapter 1. We're going to jump to chapter 6. And then we're going to go to chapter 
12. But look at John chapter 1 and follow with me, starting at verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus pass by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and they saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Here we have the account of Andrew bringing his own brother Peter to Jesus. Andrew was the first disciple that was called, and before he was even a disciple of Jesus. The Bible says right here he was a disciple of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus. He was not to increase. John the Baptist was to decrease. The Messiah was to increase. John the Baptist was not even worthy to untie the sandal or the thong of the sandal of Messiah. And Andrew was first a disciple of John the Baptist. John the Baptist preached a message of repentance. He said you need to confess your sins and be baptized. Andrew did all of that. Andrew, and it says the other disciple, it's interesting that John, the writer of this gospel, oftentimes does not mention his name. He'll say things like the disciple who Jesus loved. But it's actually John himself. Here he says, Andrew and the other disciple. Most likely it's the apostle John who wrote this very gospel. And so John the Baptist is with John the apostle and Andrew. Andrew and John haven't seen Jesus yet. John the Baptist, of course, knew who he was. He recognized him. He'd already baptized Jesus in the Jordan. But Jesus walks by. And John the Baptist points Jesus out to Andrew and John and says, here he is. Here's the one I've been talking about. Here's the very one, the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world. And John and Andrew decide to leave John the Baptist and become a follower of Jesus. And they start to follow Jesus, and Jesus turns around he says, what do you want? Why are you following me? And in essence, what they said was, Jesus, we've heard about you. And we want to spend some time with you. We want to draw close to you. And Jesus says, come with me. And they go back to where Jesus was staying. And the Bible says they spent a whole day with Jesus. Can you imagine? Spending a day 
with Jesus. The questions that you have on your mind that would be able to be answered. What an opportunity for Andrew and John to spend this day with Jesus. And then it says that the very first thing Andrew did at the end of the day was he went and found his brother Peter and told Peter, we have found him. We have found the Messiah. And he brings his brother Peter to Jesus. Andrew's always bringing others to Jesus. Andrew was ecstatic. He was elated. He was overjoyed. He had just spent the day with Jesus. He wants to share it with someone. He can't hold it to himself. And so he goes to the one he loves, his brother, his own brother, Simon Peter, and shares it with him. You know, when we have that experience, whatever that experience might be, that wonderful experience, you, you, you just want to share it with someone you love, don't you? I can remember eight years ago, you kind, gracious folks sent me to Israel. Eight years ago, I know, it doesn't seem that long ago. Eight years ago. And I only have one regret. And it's that I didn't take my wife. I had an ex the experience of a lifetime. I rode a boat on the Sea of Galilee. I swam in the Dead Sea. We had communion in the Garden of Gethsemane. I remember calling home weeping and saying, I wish you were here to my wife. When you have those kinds of experiences, you, you want to share them, don't you? With someone that you love. Andrew has just spent an entire day with Jesus, and he needs to share it. He can't hold it in. And so he goes and finds his brother Peter and says, we found him and takes Peter to Jesus and shares with Peter the good news. You see, Andrew was a fisher of men. He brought his own brother to Jesus. We've been called to do that, you and I. We have been called to bring others to Jesus to tell them our stories, to share with them how they can come into the family of God. That's what our mission is in life. It's not just for missionaries. It's not just for those who are called into mission work. We're all to share Christ. We're all to be fair. And it is interesting as well that Andrew was always, and you can read through commentaries, and they always speak of Andrew as a second fiddle or a fifth wheel he never was one in the limelight he wasn't a peter who could preach peter was always in the background always under his brother's shadow oftentimes it speaks of andrew as simon peter's brother 
Doesn't just say Andrew, but Andrew, comma, Simon Peter's brother. He was always under the shadow of his, but he didn't care. He wasn't an upfront kind of a guy. Andrew was in the background, and he was content to bring others to Jesus. That's what he did, and that's what he did best. He wasn't interested in the spotlight or greatness. He didn't get in those debates of the other disciples like James and John when they argued over who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. That's not Andrew. Andrew worked quietly behind the scenes. He was humble. He was willing to take that lesser role, never showing envy, never being jealous of his brother. He was content to point others to Christ. He was indeed a fisher of men. Someone referred to Andrew as the forerunner of personal evangelism. He was a one-on-one kind of guy. He was a people person. And I have in my notes here at the bottom of this page, let's sing, I will make you fishers of men. We were going to do it at this time, but we're done. We already did it. (laughs) Jesus refers to us as salt. We're the salt of the world. We're to whet people's appetites for Jesus. We have been called, just as Andrew has been called, to be a fisher of men. In John chapter 6, we read of Andrew once again. This is the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Look at John chapter 6. Starting at verse 1. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. That is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and he sat down with his disciples The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered, It would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, here it comes, Simon Peter's brother, see, always kind of under the shadow of his brother, he spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? We know the story. We've heard it dozens of times. Uh, Jesus, he preaches a long time on this day. The, the hour's getting late. Jesus sees the great crowd there on the mountainside and decides to feed all of them, 5,000. And so he goes to Philip, and he says to Philip, Philip, where, where can we buy bread? Where can we buy bread for all of these people? And Philip, in essence, says, it's impossible, Lord. I mean, 
it would take a half a year's wages. And look where we're located. We could never feed all of them before dark. And then Andrew speaks up in verse 9. And Andrew says to Jesus this. Here's a boy. He has five small barley loaves. He has two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Andrew didn't say it's impossible, <laughs> like Philip. He said, you know, just maybe. <laughs> I mean, it's a long shot, but just maybe Jesus can do something with this little boy's lunch. And we know the story. Jesus takes that lunch and he multiplies it. Everyone has enough to eat. Twelve baskets are left over. Did you know that little is much in the hand of God? Little is much in the hand of God. Small boy, small bread, Small fish, great miracle. Little is much in the hand of God. Philip says it's impossible, can't be done. Andrew says, maybe it can. You know, we spoke when we spoke about Thomas on Easter Sunday about faith never being perfect. Remember the father who comes to Jesus and wants Jesus to heal his son? And Jesus said, if you have enough faith, everything's possible. And what does the man say? What does the dad say? I want to believe with all of my heart, but help my unbelief. Faith never is perfect. There always seems to be that little bit of doubt in there. I don't know what it was with Andrew, maybe 90-10. <laughs> maybe 90% unbelief and 10% belief. He says, how far is this little lunch going to go? But at least he wasn't saying it's impossible. And what did Andrew do? He brought a boy to Jesus. He's always bringing others to Jesus. I've always loved the verse that Paul wrote back in Ephesians chapter 3. Just listen. Ephesians 3 and verse 20. It says, Now unto him who was able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. We can't even think or imagine what great things God can do. Now unto him who is able to do above and beyond what we can think or imagine. You know, I don't think we as Christians really expect God to do amazing and great things. We're often like Philip. And we don't think there's a solution to the problem. We think it's impossible. We don't see a way out. We don't believe that change could occur. We need to be more like Andrew. Maybe we don't have much, 
but what we have we're going to bring to Jesus. We're going to hand it over to him because little in the hand of God is much. And trust him to do above and beyond what we can't imagine or think. Someone said it doesn't matter what you have, but it does matter whose hand it is in. Maybe I can't, but Jesus can. And then we come to John chapter 12, and we're coming now to the end of the life of Jesus. In John chapter 12, this is actually the account of the triumphal entry. The context is this. Jesus is riding this donkey into Jerusalem. The crowd is there. They're shouting their hallelujahs and hosannas. The palm branches are spread along the ground. And then we come to verse 20 of John chapter 12. And we read in verse 20, Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. So there's a Passover festival taking place. And there are some Greeks, these Gentiles who have not converted to Judaism. They're not proselytes, but they're God-fearers. They're worshiping. And they come to Philip. Philip is a Greek name, feeling that they can have an audience with Philip, the disciple. So they come to Philip and said, Philip, we want to see Jesus. Now, this is a thorny issue. They have rejected Judaism, these Greeks, and yet they want to see Jesus. This is the same Philip that said, it's impossible back in chapter 6. He threw up his hands and he said, I, I really don't know what to do in this situation. I'm going to go get my buddy Andrew. And he goes to Andrew, and the two go to Jesus. Now, judging from verse 32 where Jesus is addressing the crowd, it appears as though Andrew went and got the Greeks and brought them to Jesus. And it's because it says in verse 32, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. So there are the Greeks, the Gentiles are in the crowd, and Jesus is, is addressing them. And most scholars believe that Andrew went and got the Greeks and brought them to Jesus. Sounds like Andrew. That's what he does. Andrew brings people to Jesus. That's his ministry. That's what he does. He brought his brother. He brought a little boy. And now he brings these Greeks. You know, the Andrews of the world, they don't get all the praise and publicity. They're not all about that. They're not the stars. They're not the ones in the limelight. They're not the great leaders and the great teachers. They're people persons. 
The Andrews of the world, they don't preach the great sermons and win 3,000 at a time like the Apostle Peter. The Andrews of the world, they don't write inspiring gospels like the Apostle Matthew. The Andrews of the world, they don't have grand visions of heaven like the Apostle John. The Andrews of the world, they don't experience events like the transfiguration when Jesus was changed there on the mount like the Apostle James. No, Andrew's gift was that of a middleman, a second fiddle, a bridge, if you will, connecting people to Jesus. That's what he did. That's what Andrew did. He brought people to Jesus. He was indeed a fisher of men. Tradition tells us that he was a fisher of men until his dying day. There was an ancient writer who wrote this about Andrew's martyrdom. Andrew hung upon the cross three whole days, suffering dreadful pain, but continuing constantly to tell the people around him of the love of Jesus. The people, as they listened to him, they began to believe his words, and they asked the governor to let him be taken down from the cross. The governor, not liking to refuse them, he at last ordered the ropes to be cut. Andrew was not nailed, he was roped to a cross. And by the way, the cross was what's called a transverse cross. Like our capital X, is that a picture of the wall? When you see Andrew, you often see him by a transverse cross. He was roped to this cross for three days. At last, the governor orders the ropes to be cut. But when the last rope was severed, the body of the apostle fell to the ground quite dead. I like the statement, even as he's suffering on this dreadful cross, he continued to tell people around him of the love of Jesus Christ. We've all been called as Christians to be fishers of men. We've been called to bring people to Jesus. We all have friends. We all have family. We have co-workers. We have People who surround us every day that are lost and need to know about Jesus. I heard a story about a game warden. This game warden, he had a buddy, and his buddy was always catching fish. Every time the game warden saw him come up out of the lake, he always had a cooler, a big old cooler filled with fish. And one day, the game warden asked his buddy, how do you do that? How is it that you can go out on this lake every day and bring home that many fish? What is your secret? What is your technique? And his buddy said, listen, rather than me tell you, you need to come with me, and I'll show you. So they set a date, and Early one morning, they got in the boat, and they go out to the middle of the lake. The game warden notices that there's no tackle box in the boat. 
there are no fishing rods, just a small little sack sitting on the bottom of the boat. They get to the middle of the lake. He shuts down the engine. And he reaches into this bag and he pulls out a stick of dynamite. <laughs> and he lights the fuse and throws it into the water. There's this huge explosion. And these fish are stunned and they begin to float on the surface. And the guy just starts scooping them up. Puts them all in his cooler. The game warden is outraged. You can't do that. You can't be catching these fish using dynamite. It's illegal. And he goes on and on and on, this game warden, telling him how it's against the law and he's going to be fined. And then his buddy reaches into the bag, takes out another stick of dynamite, lights the fuse, and hands it to the game warden. And says, are you going to sit there and talk, or are you going to fish? <laughs> you know, I'm afraid we as Christians, we, we do a lot of talking about going fishing, don't we? We talk a lot about being a witness. We talk a lot about sharing Christ. But I think it's often... A lot of talk. My challenge this morning is go fishing. Go fishing. Father, we come before your throne this morning and we know that people are lost. Father, we know the message of the gospel is that To believe is to be saved, and not to believe is to be condemned already. Father, lay that person on our heart that needs salvation. I think it is true, Lord, we maybe talk more than we act. Help us to be more like an Andrew, who has a passion for souls, a passion to bring others to the person of Jesus. We thank you for the salvation which you provided for us. But Father, now that we are saved, it's our ministry to bring others to your Son. Help us, Lord, to do that. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Take your hymn books, if you would, and turn to hymn number 471. Uh, This is one of those good old missionary hymns that we often sing at conferences. Give me a passion for souls, dear Lord, a passion to save the lost. Oh, that thy love were by all adored and welcomed at any cost. Jesus, I long, I long to be winning men who are lost and constantly sinning. Oh, may this hour be one of beginning the story of pardon to tell. Let's stand. We'll sing all three stanzas and we'll be dismissed. (coughs) Give me a passion, souls, dear Lord, passion to save the lost. 
this hour we want to be in the story of though there are dangers untold and stern confronting me in the way willingly still would I go nor turn but trust thee each day Jesus I long long to be winning men who are lost constantly sinning oh may this hour be one of getting the story how shall this passion for souls be mine Lord hey clear help me to throw out the old lifeline those who are struggling near Jesus I long long to be winning men who are lost simply sinning oh may this hour So help us, Father, forgive us. Forgive us for lost opportunities. And Lord, may this be a day when we begin to take seriously the commission that you've given to us to reach lost people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the message of the gospel, that it is by grace through faith that we are saved. We thank you that you have saved us and given us new life. Father, we want to help others have the same we want to share what you've shared with us so help us to become fishers of men help us Lord to reach others as Andrew and bring them to Christ I pray in Jesus name amen